Bibles out and turn to the book of Nehemiah, chapter number one. Nehemiah, chapter number one, and uh, be praying for Pastor. He's, of course, uh, sick, and um, he uh, texted me this morning and said, uh, be ready to preach tonight. And uh, so um, you're stuck with me tonight, but be praying for him, and uh, he's anticipating being out for a couple days. Hopefully, he'll get better quick, um, but keep him in your prayers, of course. And a lot of people sick right now, and so keep everybody in prayer, and uh, we'll look forward to God uh, getting us back to full strength here shortly. Nehemiah chapter number one, and I'm going to read a couple of verses out of this chapter, and then I'll skip over to chapter two and read a couple of verses over there. Uh, but I want to be a help to us. I was obviously going through a million different uh, messages when I was preparing for this and asking the Lord what he would have me to preach tonight, and I was thinking about uh, what, we're, what we're about to encounter as a church with uh, the building programs and um, all that we have going on. And I believe uh, God would have me to preach out of this chapter here. And, uh, but I want to be a help and an encouragement and a challenge to us here this evening uh, through God's word. Uh, but we notice in Nehemiah chapter number one, in verse number one, the Bible says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of uh, Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these things, that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. Skip over to chapter 2, and uh, we'll read verses 11 through 20 of Nehemiah chapter number 2. Begin with verse number 11. Uh, so I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I arose in the night, I and some few men with me. Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley even before the dragon well, and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of J Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain, and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then went I up in the night by the brook, and viewed the wall, and turned back, and entered by the gate of the valley, and so returned. And the rulers knew not whither I went, or what I did, Neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Samballot the Horonite, and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Jeshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build, but ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial, in Jerusalem. I want us to notice uh, these verses we just read. Obviously, Nehemiah saw the state of Jerusalem. 
He saw the walls broken down. The Bible says he wept uh, a couple days. He, he sat there and wept. But we notice here in chapter 2, he goes to Jerusalem and starts doing a work. And uh, it's very interesting that God tags on the end of chapter 2. I mean, Nehemiah wants to do something good. He wants to do something for God. He wants to build something uh, back for God. And it's very interesting that he barely gets started and along comes battles. Along comes uh, three men, uh, evil men, and uh, beginning a, a number of battles that he's going to face uh, as he uh, undertakes the building of the work of God. And so with this thought in mind, I want to bring this message entitled this, Battles That Will Come While Building the Work of God. Battles that will come while building the work of God. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the opportunity to come to church. And Lord, I pray you'll take the truths found in your word. Help us, Lord, here this evening. Uh, Lord, uh, we're all about building the work of God. But, Lord, it entails much, much more than uh, we normally think, Lord. Uh, it's more than just a singular uh, work that's before us, Lord. We have many, many things that we have to accomplish for you. And, Lord, I pray you'll just help us to realize here... Uh, that there's some battles that we're going to face. There's some uh, conflicts that are going to come upon us. Uh, there's some challenges that are going to take place, and we've got to realize that and understand that uh, if we're going to finish uh, the work for you, Lord. Speak to hearts here this evening. Give me your powers, I preach. In Jesus' name, amen. Battles that will come while building the work of God. The walls of Jerusalem have been broken down and destroyed. Picture with me now if you're with, uh, with Jeremiah at this, or Nehemiah at this time. Uh, and uh, if we could take a, uh, a trip back in time, uh, he approaches Jerusalem. They are nothing more than a heap of rubble. The city of Jerusalem and, and the people of God are left helpless and in ruin. Nehemiah comes to Jerusalem and he looks across the, the state of everything and sees the current condition in the sad state of Jerusalem. Uh, he sits down and weeps for days over what he sees. The tragic state of Jerusalem breaks his heart. I mean, you got to imagine here, uh, he's been living in uh, a foreign land during this time, and uh, I, I tend to believe it was a prosperous land and a land of beauty and a land of plenty, and so perhaps that was what he had come to be accustomed to. And now he goes back to Jerusalem and having been removed from it for some time, perhaps he had forgotten some things about Jerusalem and uh, forgotten how it had been destroyed. He sees it and it puts him in a state of shock and disbelief. Something had to be done. Jerusalem did not have to be like this. Jerusalem should not have been like this. And so in a state of shock, Nehemiah, not sure of what he should do, uh, where he should begin, the Bible says he sits down and weeps. I, he sees the state of it. It's a rubble. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a mound of, uh, of rock and a mound of just debris. And uh, I believe he asked, would ask himself as he's sitting there, where do I start? What do I do? Where do I begin? And uh, no doubt Jerusalem needed their homes to be rebuilt. I mean, the place got razed. The place got destroyed. No doubt the Jerusalem needed the temple to be rebuilt. Uh, but most importantly, Jerusalem needed the walls to be rebuilt. You see, for him to start out building the houses and building the temple without building the walls uh, would be foolish because he had to have the protection. And uh, so Nehemiah returns to the king of Babylon. And after speaking with the king, if you can picture this uh, in your mind, he receives approval to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. We see in the, the verses we've read and even in the verses we've not read that Nehemiah returns to Jerusalem under the approval of the king 
to rebuild the walls. Yet, very interestingly, near the end of the chapter of chapter number two, there are those that were against it. There were those that did not like it. There were those that wanted to stop it. As hard as it is to believe that there would be those who would be against rebuilding Jerusalem, they were present. And those people were the enemies of God. We find that God names those people, and they're forever known in an infamous state. Uh, the Bible says it was Sanballat, Tobiah, and Jeshem. And we notice here that they resisted the work of God. God reveals to us their true motive. Uh, and, and, and we notice here that it grieved them exceedingly. Uh, in verse 10 of Nehemiah chapter 2, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. You see, their motive, the true motive why they stopped, tried to stop Nehemiah was because it grieved them to their heart that there would be one that would try to do something for God, that would try to build something for God, that would try to uh, bring back the things of God to its uh, rightful state, and it grieved them exceedingly. And so we find here that these evil men, they tried to stop. They tried to stop the work. They tried to uh, prevent the work from going on. They enjoyed the broken state of things. Now, I want us to, tr to change our mindsets now and let's mo move up to our time here. Um, we have a work of God that we had to build. Uh, and sometimes the work of God is seemingly in rubble. Sometimes uh, it's seemingly on hold. Sometimes it's seemingly uh, put on pause. But we've got to understand something that the wall that Nehemiah was building, I believe, is a great picture to us of the work of God that we must build with our lives. You see, we tend to focus sometimes on the work of God as just being our church, and that certainly entails that, and that certainly is included in that. But the truth is, the work of God is so much bigger than that. Uh, Christians sometimes think that it's just, I, I, I'm going to build the work of God, and that means I've got to get down to the church house and do something, and though that is true, it's so much bigger than that. I want you to think about this here this evening. The work of God is our lives. You know, God gave us a life. He gave us all each an individual life, and it's up to us to build that life for God and to do something with our life for God. And when we build that, that is the work of God for us as individuals. We all have homes that we live in. We all have families that we have. And did you know that is just as much the work of God as it is the church? That is just as much the work of God for your life as it is you building uh, through the church, is you building your homes. Uh, we think also of our church, that is the work of God for us as a group of uh, Bible believers here that are saved and uh, set apart uh, for God's work. You see, the, the work of God is, we often just say, well, that means it's I got to get down to the church and I got to do something, and you certainly ought to, and you certainly should, uh, but it's so much bigger than that. And I want to help us here this evening because when you set out to build the work of God in your life, whether it's your own personal life, growing as a Christian and uh, trying to make something for God of your life and letting God use you and growing as a Christian, whether it's, all right, I'm going to build my home for God and I'm going to make the right decisions and we're going oh, to have a Christian home and a godly home, whether it's you decide in your own mind, I, I'm going to do something in my church to make a difference, there will always come battles. There will always come uh, conflicts, and we have to understand that. When we build the work of God, there will always come battles upon us as the result of our constructive undertaking, and uh, they're inescapable. 
They come while we build the work of God. And so uh, I want us to understand here, I've got four battles that came upon Nehemiah while he was building the work of God that will come upon us as well when we build the work of God. You see, the devil's not changed. Uh, People have not changed. Uh, The work of God has not changed. It's the same today as it was then. And if uh, the devil and these evil people tried to stop it back then, don't we think that the devil's going to try to do the same today? And so I want us to understand here, whether you're building your life for God, whether you're building your home for God, whether you're building uh, your church for God, there are going to be battles, and we can't forget that. Because sometimes we as Christians, we, we get our heads in the sand a little bit, and we, we, we think, oh, if I do something for God, everything's just going to work out just perfectly, and everyone's going to be rejoicing, and everyone's going to be for it, and nothing could be further from the truth. Battles will come when you try to build the work of God. Now, I want to look at four battles here that the Bible tells us came to Nehemiah, and I believe they follow a progression, and I believe they'll help us in our own lives if we'll allow it. First of all, the first battle that will come upon us like it came upon Nehemiah is the battle of criticism, the battle of criticism. Notice Nehemiah chapter 4. Let's turn over there. Nehemiah chapter number 4. The Bible says in verse number 1, But it came to pass that when Samballot heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him. And he said, Even that which they build, a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Now notice here in verse number four, hear our God, for we are despised. Nehemiah gets criticized for what he's trying to do. You notice they didn't, he barely even started picking up the rocks from the rubble, and the criticism started flying in. The criticism started uh, flowing in like a river, and uh, we notice here he faced the battle of criticism. It's essential that we understand as Christians that critical people critically damage and even destroy others with their criticism. Devastating things take place when a critic cannot and will not control their critical tongue from spewing caustic and critical things. You see, we have to understand something as Christians. When we decide as a Christian, hey, I'm I'm tired of living the average life as a Christian. I'm tired of my home being the average Christian home. I'm tired of my church being the average Christian church. I'm going to build something for God, and I'm going to do something with my life for God. Hey, the battles are going to begin. And oftentimes it starts with the battle of criticism. Sambal and Tobiah began attacking with their tongue. Notice that. Uh, they just started spewing out a bunch of uh, criticism. And and we have to understand something here. This statement is so great. Critics are never builders. They're always breakers. Critics never have built a thing, but they definitely destroyed plenty of things. And we have to understand here, uh, the battle of criticism will take place when we set out to build the work of God in our lives. Nehemiah countered their verbal attacks with prayer and perseverance. We notice in verses 4 through 7, for sake of time, I'll not read them, but we notice here, Nehemiah just goes straight to God with prayer and says, Lord, you hear what they're saying. 
They're saying, I'll start building this wall for you, Lord, and a fox will get through and just break it down. Uh, they're saying it'll fall over and it won't even stand. And he, he, he says, Lord, help us. Uh, be with us. He goes straight to God with prayer. And friend, what well, a great reminder to us here. When the battle of criticism faces us, whether we're trying to build our life for God, whether we're trying to build our homes for God, whether we're trying to build our church for God, hey, we're not to respond to them. We're not to criticize them back. We're not to sit there and engage in a verbal warfare with them. We're to go to God with it. I was reading a story about, uh, I enjoy history, and in the early 1900s, uh, there was a, a man by the name of Colonel George Washington Gothels. He was the chief engineer of the Panama Canal. And uh, while he was out there, he was severely criticized while he supervised the building of the Panama Canal. Uh, the builders under him often worked in bad weather conditions, and the outbreak of disease, sometimes deadly, claimed the lives of some of the builders. Critics often said of the monumental task and its hardships, it is impossible. You had to understand they were cutting a, a channel from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific because up to that point, they had to go all the way around South America. And so they said of that job, it is impossible. As a result of the conditions and the critics, many builders abandoned the work. But Colonel Gothels continued building the canal with determination. One day, an assistant to Colonel Gothels finally had about all he could take of this ongoing conflict and criticism, and he asked the colonel, are you going to do anything about all these critics that are criticizing this work? With that in mind, when he said that, Colonel Gothels, without hesitation, said, yes, I am. How, asked the assistant, to which the colonel quickly replied, I am going to finish the canal. The Panama Canal was finished, and on August 15th, 1914, it was open for use, and Colonel Gothel's thousands of critics were silenced. You see, friend, what a great example, what a great reminder to us here. When criticism flows in, when people, you're trying to build something, whether it's your life, you, you, you say, I, I, I want to be a better Christian for God. I want my home to be a, a greater example for, for my children and for God and to my family. And I want my church to be something great. And so I'm going to set out and build the work for God. Oh, you better be ready for the battle of criticism. But be not alarmed here. The way to win the battle of criticism is to keep on building the work of God. You see, why do we always allow critics to win the battle? I mean, they're criticizing us for the thing that they don't have the guts to do. They're criticizing us for doing what they refuse to do. They're criticizing us, quite honestly, for what they know is right to do. And yet we allow them, and, and their criticism is all to change our direction. They want us going the same direction as them, and so they criticize. And we too often allow that to stop us from building the work for God, and we go their direction. We've got to just keep on building the work of God and just finish. Number one, the first battle that will come upon us as we build the work of God that came upon Nehemiah is the battle of criticism. Number two, we go to the next battle, and that is the battle of combat. You see, you notice here, Nehemiah won this battle of criticism. He didn't stop right there and say, oh, I want Sam Bow and Tobiah and Jeshem to be my friend. And so uh, he wasn't concerned about uh, making everybody his friend. He just had a work to do. And uh, he said, all right, I'm just going to go to God about this. But notice the battle doesn't end there. Uh, oh, we wish it would. And many Christians sometimes stop when they get criticized. They, they, they falter when they get criticized. 
But if we keep on going and we keep on building and we keep on doing what we're supposed to do, the next battle is the battle of combat. Notice in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse number 7, the Bible says, But it came to pass that when Samballot and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches begun to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, from all places whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Notice here, very interestingly, they, Nehemiah survived the battle of criticism. He, he's taken the onslaught. He's went to God with it. He said, whatever, and he, he just kept on building the work of God. But notice the next battle comes along. And we've got to remember, it's battle after battle after battle. Why do we always have to be battling? Why? Because there's people that want to stop the building. And so we must battle, and there's going to be battles. But notice it's the battle of combat. Uh, they said, we're going to stop you by force. If, you won't, if, you won't, if we can't stop you verbally, we'll stop you physically. We'll destroy you and make you as this rubble. We'll destroy you and make you as the current state of this wall. We'll destroy you and make you nothing more than, uh, than the dirt that you walk on. We will destroy you. And you know what Nehemiah did? He said, bring it on. He got him some men, and they set up watch, and they, they got them some weapons, and they, they kept on working and building. And friend, we've got to realize here, when you decide as a Christian, I'm going to make something of my life for God, I want to be more than just some ho-hum Christian. I want to be more than just some standard average Christian. I want to do something for God. I want there to be something of my house. I want there to be something of my church. The battle of combat will come. I like what Winston Churchill said. He said this during World War II. He said, you have enemies? Good. That means that you have stood up for something sometime in your life. And you know what our problem is nowadays? We don't want enemies. We like to please, and it's our nature. We, we want to please people. We want people to be happy with us. But friend, you cannot build something for God. You cannot build something great and not have enemies. You cannot pacify people. You cannot... Uh, you cannot uh, have everybody happy with you. And so they'll come to you and say, hey, what do you think you're doing? You got, you'll have family. You'll have friends. You'll have coworkers. You start saying, hey, I'm going to be something for God with my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow in my Christian life. I'm not, I don't want to be the way I've been no longer. I want to I do something for God, and I want my home to be something for God, and uh, I want my church to be something for God. Oh, the criticism rolls in. Oh, you think, you're, you, you think you're better than us, don't you? You think you're, oh, here comes a preacher, man, uh, pulling out his uh, pulpit at work, and uh, oh, they'll, they'll, they'll bring all of it out of the woodwork, and your family will say, oh, why can't you do this, and why are you doing that, and what's the, man, you guys are weird, you, you, that famous word right now, you're a cult, you're part of a cult right now, and uh, they'll criticize you, and that's usually where a lot of Christians will say, hey, I ain't in it for this. No way, I'm done with this. But you keep on going, you win that battle. 
And oh, comes another battle, the battle of combat. Sometimes people will try to physically stop you. They'll try to stop the work of God in your life. Uh, you, you'll have people that will sometimes try to keep you from becoming a better Christian. For instance, you say, hey, I want to do something with my life for God. I want to be a better Christian. And there will be those that will say, oh, we'll see about that. And they'll, they'll try to get you to do things that would keep you from doing that. They'll try to get you to do things that would uh, hinder your walk with God. They'll try to uh, keep your home from becoming better for God. And they'll try to keep your church from growing for God all because, hey, they're not builders. They're breakers. And so we've got to realize here, battles that come while building the work of God, the battle of combat. And you say, Brother French, what is the, how do we win that battle? Well, it, the great thing about God is it's the same answer as the previous one. You keep on building. Uh, you keep on building the work of God and finish. You see, there's no, there's no great uh, formula to, to building the work of God. You just you start the undertaking and you finish. You, uh, you ignore the criticism. You ignore the combat. Number three, our next battle here. Notice here, Nehemiah didn't stop at any of these. He uh, got criticized and he didn't stop. He, uh, they said, we'll kill you, we'll destroy you, we'll, you, we'll physically keep you from building, and he overcome, overcame that. Number three, the battle of conflict. Up to this point, everything's been external. You've had, from without, you had people criticizing and throwing criticism at Nehemiah and, and these men. Then uh, they were threatening them physically from without. But notice here, next, the battle of conflict. Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Let's read these verses. And there was a great cry of the people and of their wives against their brethren, the Jews. For there were that said, we, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore, we take up corn for them that we may eat and live. Some also there were that said, we have mortgaged our lands, vineyards, and houses that we might buy corn because of the dearth. There were also that said, we have borrowed money for the king's tribute, and that upon our lands and vineyards. Look at verse 5. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children. And lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants, and some of our daughters are brought into bondage already. Neither is it in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and vineyards. Now, it's interesting here because Nehemiah follows it up and he gets very upset. He gets very angry. Why? Because no longer is the battle coming from without. You can't control that. You can't control the critic. You can't control those who combat you. But notice here next, they begin fighting within themselves. They start nitpicking and fighting and they're, they're complaining and they're, they're saying now we're in a worse state than we've been in. And, and they're, just, they're just nitpicking at each other and they're getting upset and angry over it. And Nehemiah gets upset over that. And so we notice here internal problems always hinder the work of God uh, from going on. When there are internal problems, more often than not, God's people go to war with each other rather than going to war with the devil. Much time and energy is spent battling each other when it should be spent in reaching and leading souls to Christ. You know what will stop a work from being built for God, whether it's your own life, whether it's your home, whether it's this church? You know what will keep this work from being built and going on to do great things for God? It's not necessarily the critics, although that could be true. It's not necessarily the combat from without, though that may be true, but it's also the battle of conflict things that can go on in the church house. 
You see, uh, when bird dogs are out hunting, as long as they have birds out there, and as long as they have things to hunt, and they're busy with their owners out there hunting the birds, hey, they work as a team, and they're busy and united in their efforts. They're out there hunting birds. They're out there uh, catching those birds for their owners. However, as soon as the bird dogs no longer have something to hunt, as soon as the hunt is over and there's no birds that unify them into that cause that they're about, they begin to snap and growl and even attack each other. And, And what a great reminder to us as Christians, if we're not careful to be about what God has given us to be about, It's only a matter of time before we begin to nitpick at each other and we begin to attack each other and we begin to snap and growl at each other. And we've got to realize here the battle of conflict is a battle that will come and we've got to be on guard against it. If we're having conflict with someone, maybe we ought to get busy building with them instead of battling them. In 